Revenue Rhino. I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Adrian from Growth Assistant. Adrian, it's really nice to have you on. Thanks for having me, Brad. It's awesome to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited for today's discussion. So, Adrian, can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as your company and who you guys are and what you're doing? Yeah, so I am Adrian Schwager. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Growth Assistant. Growth Assistant finds offshore marketing talent for any marketing team. Marketing in general, specifically digital marketing, is very slow and clunky, similar to how software was in the 90s. So it involves a lot of manual implementation work. Usually the person coming up with a strategy is also the person doing that work. So We've, we've found a higher ROI solution for that implementation work by using growth assistance. So I find offshore marketers for digital marketing, for design, for affiliate and influencer work. We've been able to leverage a lot of those. We also find other positions as well, a lot of business ops, some customer service, some executive assistance. People use growth assistance to leverage in a lot of different ways, but our main focus is marketing. Very cool. What's your story? How did you get into this and decide, hey, I want to do a company in this this area? Yeah, it's a crazy story. So I, I started my career in trading, actually. I traded Eurodollar options to start right out of college, which that's my brain doing like it, it's matching engine work, trading as a skill. After being in trading for about two years, I went to one of the partners and said, hey, something here is not fulfilling me. Like I need more people interaction and asked to take on their recruiting and, and learning and development programs, which hadn't been built yet. So basically started from scratch. So I did that. So he gave me the green light and I had this entrepreneurial stint there where I was able to build out this program within their the company infrastructure. So I built uh, campus recruiting programs, other recruiting programs, internship programs, learning and development. I, I was recruiting a lot of people that didn't have the skill set of finance, for example. So maybe they were coming from an engineering background. I had to teach them the trading. So I developed a long, year, years-long training program for, for these candidates in this talent pool. And then after I got a well-built oil machine there, it was time for me to build again. I felt like it was. So I approached another partner this in about 2000, probably 2011. And this partner was just starting the real estate group for this trading company. When the market crashed in 2009, this company was on the right side of the trades for that and invested a lot of cash from that into real estate, which at the time was a depreciated asset. So they would scoop up all this real estate. And now we had a bunch of real estate and built out a real estate arm. So I joined him in helping build that out. I was in charge of all the commercial leasing, some asset management, and some like ground up construction management, kind of all pieces of, of the real estate group. And then same thing after about, I don't know, I was there for probably in 2000, I guess the, I left there with the intention of create doing my own thing. I knew it was time for me to do my own thing outside of this company that had given me so much growth and opportunity. And I grew in so many different ways. I was really thankful to be under the same umbrella that whole time, but it was time for me to venture out on my own. So February, 2020, my, my last day there was the end of February, 2020. And I was going to meditate for three months and really figure out what that next thing was for me to just take the time to think. And seven days later, COVID hit. I had two kids at home that I was schooling. So it was about the opposite of meditation that you could get. Um, and my plans had to change. I had to pivot. So 
I, I started consulting for a startup in an HR and recruiting capacity later that year. Consulted with them for about six months and really lit that fire again for the people and the people matching engine. That's where my head was going. My co-founder and I are best friends since like seventh grade. So we were just catching up later that year. And he, he was sharing what he was going to start. He was at a similar part, a point of his career where he was ready to change. And he had a list of things he wanted to develop. And so did I. And so we were just sharing those. And we got to this one on his list, not thinking that we were having this conversation to work with each other. We were just sharing. And we got to this one on his list of finding offshore talent solution for marketers. And, and it just, a light bulb just went off. He has an extensive background in, in digital marketing and a great network. I was able to test the idea with a few people in that network who all said, yes, I need this. I need this. I needed this months ago. When can you give me three? And then I had obviously the people ops and passion and genius for that piece. We put our brains together and created growth assistant. Then I am the CEO, Jesse, my co-founder holds probably more of a chairman like position. And that's how, that's how it came to be. That's very cool. I love it. So yeah. let's talk about growing growth assistant. So you started this company. How did you grow it? What are some of the tactics, strategies you use? It sounds like you early validated the idea, found some folks in your network that needed what you're doing. And then did you just continue to do that? Or what did that look like? Yeah. In the beginning, when you're an entrepreneur, you're doing it all. At least I would recommend that way to start if, if you are thinking about starting a business. So I was doing the sales. I was doing the recruitment. I was doing the customer success and like really validating that what I was building was working for the customer and working for our talent. And so that's how it starts. Very small. We were going through Jesse's network to start for all of our initial leads and calls and conversations with people. About a month in, two months in, we were mentioned in a newsletter. And in that newsletter, I had my first waitlist. I had 14 people now on my waitlist. And that was so exciting. I built a form for the waitlist. And then at that same time, Jesse was growing his Twitter following and wrote a thread. And this thread just went viral. He's a great writer. He's a great storyteller. And it really came out in this thread. And it was all about how we created Growth Assistant and our relationship. And people loved it. And by the end of that thread had a good run. And by the end of that, I had 250 people on my wait list. And it was just me. Wow. So that, that was, Twitter has been one of the main ways we've grown. But honestly, expansions within the same companies is probably equal or greater to that. Happy customers wanting to expand, wanting to use the product more. Yeah, I think someone said to me, you don't want to be in the selling business. You want to be in the reorder business. Exactly. So I love that. What were, what were some of the challenges? Uh, how did you find the delivery and the team to fulfill all, you know, 250 of those? And you know, what did that journey look like? What are some of the maybe roadblocks you ran into? Yeah. One of the roadblocks that was really apparent when I had a wait list of 250 is like, it's just me. Like, how am I going yeah. to, to get there? And actually, when I say it's just me, probably by that time, I had hired my first recruiter in the Philippines. So I hired a second recruiter, a third recruiter, a sourcer. I, I kept hiring my team, sales assistants. I would hire them as well. And at the time I was able to, when I was doing those sales calls, I was able to tell people how I'm building my business and showing them using growth assistance. So like here, look, man, I'm doing this. I, you could do this as well. I was able to show them as well as not just tell them that this is how it works. So I think that went a long way and actually made that relationship 
so much more rewarding when they're growing, they need more growth assistance because they're growing. And then being a part of that story, that's just super rewarding for me. But other challenges, so like I mentioned, hiring's probably, that's one of the things I've learned. And I'm still, I'm still challenged with it on when to hire, to hire ahead, the balance of hiring someone. So far, I will say I have not hired someone and been like regretful that we hired them too early. I've only been regretful that I've hired them too late. So I'm trying to learn from that. And part of, I was just doing some second half planning. And part of what I'm doing is really planning who I need quarter one next year based on our projections. So that's, that was a big bottleneck is our internal hiring. We did have our, our success rate in the Philippines is higher than my success rate in the States for hiring people. So I also realized that hiring, if I was going to hire someone in the States, like a sales representative, for example, that was one of the first roles I hired on my own. It took a lot of reps. Like it, it took a lot of energy from me or someone else on the team, energy away from other pieces of the business. So it's something that the business needs, but it's not a, it's not a core function of the business. So I actually ended up outsourcing some of our own internal U.S. hiring because it was just someone should use me for use growth assistant for marketing help. I should use someone else for, for that. And when it's not the main like core function of my, my business, I had a failed hire to start, which put us a couple months behind. So I was probably already behind hiring that sales talent. I had a misfire when I hired somebody. So now I'm two more months behind. So that those have all been like really good learnings, but roadblocks and probably things that if my wait list was a month long at one point that prevented us from getting the customers sooner. Absolutely. Has there been anything you'd do differently other than the hiring, hire ahead, all that? No, I think we've, I think we've done a great job of a culture of just learning and experimentation. So there's, we've learned from everything we've done. And I think that that is the positive and the growth that I can see from that. So I wouldn't say I would do anything differently right now, besides probably higher sooner. Absolutely. Let's talk about content, LinkedIn, obviously you said Twitter, all that. How do you decide to have content be a main driver of growth? And how do you, did you just know that? You're like, hey, if we post this article on this Twitter thread, a bunch of people are gonna come our way or how did that come to be? Yeah. So. From the beginning, we've had a, a core belief that great content will pay off big rewards for marketing. So if you're, it shows when your con, when your content is just fluff and just like random posts, but when they're, when they mean something, when they're passionate, when there's like something behind them, that shows more true about what your, what your product is, who you are, what you believe in, like really what who someone is partnering with. I'm partnering with a person. I'm partnering with a business. Um, I really want to understand that partnership and who I'm getting into that partnership with. I think that allows uh, great content allows people to do that easier. We we're we are posting more on LinkedIn. You know, I said Twitter was our one of our main lead sources in the beginning. Twitter's changing though. One of the things we're figuring out now is what I guess we've known, but we're pulling different levers now is what will, what got us here won't get us there. We have to, we're going to, we have to pivot. So we're testing a bunch of new things on LinkedIn elsewhere as well, but it takes time to test those. That's probably a learning too, I would say is hire early test or like paid 
takes a bit longer to test. Paid ads take a bit longer to test than I thought. So that's been a learning for me. I probably would have started that a quarter earlier um, than we've started it. Another kind of going back to your last questions about lessons learned, a couple other ones stick out that aren't so much about the business. One as a leader, like figuring out where I'm making decisions from has been really key to, to growing the business. So if I am making decisions from fear, basically I should not be making decisions from a fear-based place, right? Give it enough time to let those feelings subside or deal with those emotions, let them work through your body and then make the decision. Truly pausing and taking the time to do that has been an awesome learning for me. It's showed up obviously in other parts of my life too, but recognizing that we all have a tendency to do that. And that if we just pause, give it a breath and then come back, you'll have a much better outcome for your business, for you, for the feelings of the other person on the other side. That's been a, a good le lesson learned. Absolutely. So this, what's one thing you wish you would have known, like just to emphasize before you came to CEO that you definitely know now to drive the point home? The importance of figuring out your values early on. Like it was something that I delayed because it was hard for me to think about and ultimately make decisions about. Like it felt like I was boxing myself in a bit. But if I just started from what I what works for me, who I am, what I want this business to be and represent, I could have come to like at least some 80% there answers that I think would have guided, it would have been helpful for the rest of the org to know those things um, early on. So I'm ironing out like the final touches on that exercise now. And as I'm doing it, seeing how powerful it is, I wish I would have done it earlier. Absolutely. And is there any piece of advice you'd give? Maybe it's related to that, to yeah. your younger self. Yeah, feel your feelings. So I have a tendency of going head down and ah, that, that stinks. Okay, move on. Okay, yeah, that's great. Okay, move on. Um, but like actually taking the time to feel what you're feeling Eventually, all that stuff bubbles up underneath. We all know this, I think, but it's a lot harder to do than to talk about. But just, I would tell my younger self to like, it's okay to feel your feelings. Absolutely. Have there been any like major pivots you've had to make, you know, as you've been building mm -hmm. the company and how did you maybe approach those? Yeah, we recently had the opportunity to build bit larger teams. So instead of, three to five growth assistants, a company wanted 10 to 15. Um, and so building those larger teams has been an interesting pivot, seeing how we, it changed our recruiting process, it changed our kind of learning development process and our training for those growth assistants. And on the customer success side, it changed that as well. So it was an interesting pivot that we're still testing, but I was uh, pleasantly surprised with how quickly the entire team could pivot on the idea of that. Absolutely. As we close this, what's one piece of advice you have for all those out there listening? This could be yeah. your customers, other CEOs, those that are needing growth and maybe a growth assistant and all that. I would encourage people if they're, I would encourage people to make a list during their week of the things they do more than once that are repetitive, put it on a list, have your staff do that as well. Those are ways you can plug in a growth assistant or any assistant really. There's always room for delegation on a team and a team can operate so much more efficiently and effectively when they have that in place. 
they also can focus more on why you really hired them, which wasn't to do the manual implementation work for 30% of their time. It was to create strategy. Um, it was to move things forward. Just imagine if they had 30% more of their time back, what they could really do for the business, how it could scale. That, that would be the one piece of advice I would offer. Absolutely. I think I've heard it phrased like, what are the $5 an hour tasks, $100 and $1,000 an hour yeah. tasks from trying to only focus as an entrepreneur and as someone that's trying to get stuff done on those $1,000 an hour tasks versus vlogging down your time at the $5 an hour. So Totally. Absolutely. Adrian, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for joining the podcast and sharing all your wisdom and insights today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Absolutely.